This episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast is brought to you by Shiny Side Up. Join the Shiny Side Up team for a very special live stream event on the 10th of April for a chance to win your share of over $8,000 worth of prizes. We'll be joined by some awesome local and international motorcycling experts such as Chaotic Blonde, Sam McCafferty, Andrew Stroud, Kevin Williams, Dr. Chris Huron, Jay Reeve, and Charlie Borman. Shiny Side Up Online, April 10th, 2022. Proudly brought to you by Ride Forever, ACC, Waka Kotahi New Zealand Transport Agency, and MSAC. For more information, check out the Shiny Side Up Facebook page or shinysideup.co.nz. And thanks for supporting Kiwi Rider Podcast. And welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray Heron. Thank you very much for joining in and joining us and listening and all that stuff. If you haven't already, please, 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 please do hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with a riding buddy of yours. Jam-packed episode this week. We are going to catch up with Matthew Day-Gillett, who's been riding a fantastic new Harley-Davidson. We've got, we're going to continue our series talking to real Kiwi riders. Um, but first, we need to get into the news. Kicking things off today, the electric motorcycles have a new addition. Almost. Electric Triumph TE1 motorcycle reaches riding prototype stage. Triumph Motorcycles' development of an electric motorcycle has cleared the collaboration stage with the first prototype now ready to begin open-world testing. The announcement from Triumph has given us our first real glimpse of the new TE1 prototype with the bike holding a couple of surprises. Now it's no longer just a conceptual drawing. It's been truly exciting to see the progress made during phase three of the Triumph TE1 with the final prototype motorcycle now going into real life testing. Everyone involved at Triumph are proud to have been part of this innovative British collaboration. Personally, I'm thrilled with the results we, are, we have already achieved with our partners and the exciting preview of the potential electric future to come, says Triumph CEO Nick Bloor. We look forward to continuing the ambitious and innovative work on the TE1 demonstrator prototype through the live testing phase and sharing the outcome with Triumph fans across the world. The TE1 demonstrator brings together the work from the multiple companies who are collaborating on the project, which include Williams Advanced Engineering, who have been responsible for the battery package, Integral Powertrain, who, as their name suggests, have been working on the electric motor, while Triumph have been handling the chassis and styling aspects of the project. Triumph's final chassis for the TE1 features an alloy frame and subframe, while the build-out includes top-notch componentry from some of the best in the business. That means braking by Brembo with the Italian firm's monstrous M50 monoblock calipers, Olin's upside-down cartridge forks and prototype Olin's rear shock. Triumph also supplies the motorcycle control software for the TE1, presumably based off their software from the existing models such as the Speed Triple which the TE1 has pinched its headlights from also. With the completion of the prototype, the project is moving into the next phase, which means real-world testing to see how good 
the all-British collaboration has got their electric motorcycle. Over the next six months, the prototype demonstrator will undertake an extensive live testing program within Triumph's state-of-the-art facilities, which will encompass both road and track-based testing to dial in the bike's performance and fine-tune the controls. Once this next phase of development has been completed, which is currently estimated to be around our winter time, the prototype demonstrator will be updated with its final body panels and paint scheme in preparation for active track demonstrations and media engagements. At this time, Triumph says the full result of the project, including final specifications and testing outcomes, will be published, as well as insights and key facts on how the TE1 delivers on the project targets for innovation and sets new standards for the motorcycle sector overall, including final battery and range performance. We look forward to seeing how Triumph's electric bike stacks up against the already established players such as Zero, Livewire and Energica. For more photos and a bit more information on this story, go to onthrottle.co.nz or motonz.com. Quick note through from our friends at IAM Road Smart. With all the events across the country being cancelled, one event that's still going on if you're anywhere near Wellington, there's a slow speed clinic taking place on the 13th of March. It's happening in a car park on Lockie Street in Petone. So if you would like to uh, work on your slow speed manoeuvrability, your slow speed skills, you'd like someone to have a look at you and tell you what you're doing wrong or maybe you'd like to go on and, and meet some 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 new riders uh, 13th of March, Lockie Street in Petone, it is the IAM Road Smart Slow Speed Skills All are welcome Real, 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 real Kiwi Riders Real, real, real Kiwi Riders Real Kiwi Riders Continuing our series, talking to real Kiwi riders, we've got Nigel Muller on the line. G'day, Nigel, how you doing? I'm good, thank you, Ray. Yourself? Oh, yeah, can't complain. No one listens even if you do, right? <laughs> I put something on social media recently. I said I want to talk to some real Kiwi riders, people with a passion for riding and some stories, and you put your hand up and said, yeah, I have a yarn. And so here we are today. Nigel, how long have you been riding? What do you ride? Ah, uh, I've... Been involved um, with motorcycles uh, most of my life. Um, I'm now mid 40s, and I think I was on an XR500 petrol tank when I was about three years old. Um, and uh, currently, I have Honda 450R and 450L. Oh yes, so you've got the road going and the dirt motocross version of the 450 Correct. CRF, yeah. Correct. Yes. So, yeah, dirt is where your heart is. It's what you do. Dirt is where the heart is. Dirt is my forte. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've enjoyed racing motocross right across the country and been able to uh, fortunately travel overseas and watch it when we were able to, etc. Um, and yep, dirt biking is the forte for myself. Uh, of recent, we've gone um, and gone into adventure riding, dual on off right arm um, road and dirt and uh and, and, and I'm thoroughly enjoying that right now as well. 
Okay, so that's where the CRF450L comes in, yeah? Yeah, bit of a diehard Honda fan story. <laughs> so the 450L, it's basically a motocross bike with a little bit more compliable suspension, but you've still got those um, those those super short service periods, right? Yeah, so like I'm doing um, services every 1,000 kilometres or thereabouts. So usually when we go for a ride, which is almost every weekend right now, um, we're clicking up between five to 600 k's. Um, on a ride, so I'm doing it every second second ride. I'm I'm changing oil and filters and and checking my air filter and stuff like that. Yeah. Obviously, you enjoy it, but um, to me, that seems like a, a bit of a pain in the bum. Is that like? Do you ever think maybe um, something with slightly longer service periods would be better, or are you quite happy with the you know with the reasonably short service periods there? Oh, for for me, um, Ray, like coming from the 450R, where we're changing um, oil and filters. Uh, every five hours um, and air filters every race kind of thing um, it doesn't bother me a thousand k's um, and in all honesty and I'm sure I could speak for most um, people who own um, engines of any sorts uh, oil is cheaper than rebuilds yeah you're exactly right there yeah I can mm. okay cool well I mean it's horses for courses if you're if you like that and you're into it why the hell not um, the CRE 450 it, she's a grunty wee beast what are the differences mm. have you noticed between the motocross version and the road version the the R and the L oh just the length of my arms so ergonomics <laughs> no 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 the 450R wants to pull my arms longer the L is a little bit more uh, the L is a little bit more forgiving right right okay so where's home what uh, what where's your home motocross track oh right okay home for me right now and it has been since the early 90s in Southland um, so born and bred in Taranaki grew up under Jeff Strample and Nigel Little um, all those guys from the Taranaki Motorcycle Club uh, grew up with the King Brothers um, Daryl Hurley and all those lads up there um, great guys um, and great ambassadors to the sport of motocrossing um, and, and to motorcycling in general. Um, so yeah, grew up in Taranaki racing up there and then with the dairy boom um, happening, we uh, moved to Southland in the early 90s. Um, from Southland, I travelled overseas and spent uh, five years in Japan. Um, I actually changed my uh, sport of interest and I was uh, chasing uh, New Zealand uh, Olympic snowboard team, um, riding halfpipe and stuff like that. So we, I based myself out of Japan in Hokkaido, uh, which is the North Island of Japan, for five years um, just snowboarding. But while I was over there, I got to watch international motocross come and go out of um, Japan. Always had um, the dirt bike in the blood. So... Um, yeah, that was really cool. Um, then came home, went farming, and uh, of course, being on a farm, there's dirt, there's land, etc., etc. Um, myself and my wife, with another couple, put a uh, grassroots club together, um, Southern Dirt Bike Riders, and uh, from there on, we've been running the club, which is uh, a mobile club, um, and we go around uh, different farms. Um, totally reliant on land donations we don't own any land um wherein we set up a, a motocross track run the day and from that day we pay our way the portable toilets and, and our clubs insurance etc but uh the farmer then gets to decide with what money's left over 
what charity it can go to. So we've been able to support the wider community like uh, blood and leukemia and hospice and um, uh, local town swimming pools and um, schools. And in fact, we've been able to um, uh, help other clubs, uh, low socio parts of um, town and stuff, um, rugby league teams. Um, we even um, helped uh, Josiah Netsky on his European venture back in the day and Courtney Duncan when she was writing for uh, Josh Coppins JCR Yamaha when she first went to Europe. So yeah, we're quite proud of um, who we've supported um, the athletes that we've supported and our wider community as well. Outstanding Brilliant. Okay, so tell me more about this um, mobile uh, motocross club. Uh, what was the name of it again? Southern Dirt Bike Riders. Southern Dirt Bike Riders. Um, so you 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 get uh, lent a, a paddock for a day, and you go in there and you set up a, a course of what a natural terrain motocross course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Ray. So like um, nine times out of ten, that the naturally. Um, shaped and stuff like that and we'll go mark a track um for all abilities um etc we'll we'll run the day um we'll pack up the track we'll leave like this amazing imprint on the on the land because i love just looking at um motocross tracks from uh, aerial views be it from drones or whatever and they always look fantastic when you're finished um yep so we uh we'll run the day um and we've had up to close to 300 riders on any given day um and when we first put the club together it was all about a safe environment uh for families at low cost so like um our club is not affiliated with mnz um, but we run very parallel with MNZ clubs as well and work closely with our local MNZ clubs here in Southland. So um, we've been able to trim back the entry fees, Ray, or, on um, riders participating um, at our races. So, um, yeah, we've, we've just really structured the whole club around safe um, riding at, at, uh, at affordable prices for families. Awesome. Grassroots. Yeah, sounds great. How often do you uh, run events? Yep, so we uh, we do from October right through to July uh, every third Sunday, and we've just stuck to every third Sunday, so like it just ingrains in people's minds that, oh, every third Sunday, Southern Dirt Bike Riders is going to have a, have a race, um, and, and, and that can spread right across Southland and even venture in parts of Otago kind of thing. So um, we post up on a Facebook page uh, the next coming event and so forth. And, and um, yeah, we don't just do motocross. We've done cross countries and trail rides and stuff like that. Um, we hold our own cross-country four-hour event every year um, on various stations around sheep stations around southland and so forth and um yeah absolutely love the cross-country scene um it's a, a a byproduct of our club and the motocross guys um and then we do little things like what i called off piece where we've got a piece of land that we've found uh, every uh, unsavory little piece of that land like a 25 hectare paddock on the side of a hill that's got gullies and we just do little uh little things like um wood crossings and creek crossings and into the gravel pit and um, around a bunch of trees and stuff. It's like a short version cross-country slash enduro. So do little things like that. But the bread and butter is the grassroots motocross, Ray. 
Outstanding. Sounds like a whole lot of fun. Okay, so um, for anyone that's interested in the Otago Southland kind of region, um, how do they find you? Just on um, Facebook, Southern Dirt Bike Riders. We're on Facebook there and um, update uh, our rides and what's happening. Um, if there's any training or if there's any uh, other events going on, like we promote our local um, clubs beside us, their events and, and so forth. So just... Um, yeah, we're just theoretically um, just on this great big um, train with everyone else um, enjoying motorcycling. Hey, um, getting back to uh, your bikes, uh, you mentioned you do it. You're getting into a little bit of adventure stuff um, lately. Where, where do you go? What do you do? What are your favourite rides when it comes to adventure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I can't actually pinpoint any one ride that I've been on as my favourite because they're all favourites right now, right? Um, as you know, with the um, government restrictions and i'm not here to talk political or anything um we've had a lot of events cancelled so i'm finding that adventure um riding is a good fix for me as a dirt bike rider to get out and carry on riding without having to um abide by any um event sizes and so forth um so yeah uh where i ride on the 450l uh in southland otago we've got the dusty butt coming up uh, next weekend, which is uh, South Canterbury, Otago and Southland. Um, I think that's 1,400 kilometres over three days. Um, I can't really give you a, a, a direct answer on that, Ray, where my favourite places are, but anywhere that's off-road is always going to be good fun. I suppose being in the South Island and being in Southland, you'll um, you'll be all over everything Burt Munro. Have you done the uh, the beach race or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've raced the beach race. I did that on um, I did that on a couple of four fifty Rs actually. And a very good friend of mine, Johnny Racy, was the first in history to win it two times in a row back to back. Um, uh, and Josh Coppins has been down and, and won it, and our local uh, bike dealer down here, Greg Baines, has won it as well. So, yes, I've done the Burt Munro Beach races, um, and a bunch of us dirt bikers, uh, the likes of Jacob Scammell, Brent Scammell's son, will um, motard his 450Rs and do the street racing, and even Brent um, street races his uh, 450R as well, and um, a bunch of other guys. So, yeah. Uh, love the Burt Munro, love any event that's put on because as as we all know, a lot of time and effort's been put that's voluntarily put in by running any events and um, I take my hat off to anyone that volunteers to, to get stuck in and put events on because sometimes it doesn't go to plan and sometimes we've got um, logistical things and political things that we're dealing with. So yeah, um, getting back to it, Burt Munro, love it um, and uh, the motorcycle rallies did the brass monkey last year, the fortieth brass monkey, which was an absolute hoot. We uh, a bunch of us jumped on the ADV bikes, went over uh, Dunstan Pass to the Serpentine Church, um, over Thompson's Crossing, the Nevis, and stuff like that, and just had an absolute ball on the on the ADV bikes. But met up with a whole lot of guys that had come down on road bikes from the North Island, and just just a, a fantastic vibe of of, of motorcyclists as a whole and sharing stories and rubbing shoulders with guys in leather versus nylon you know and it's just fantastic we're really blessed here in new zealand to be able to do what we do you're exactly right exactly right hey um coming from southland i mean i don't come from south i spent a bit of time in southland actually i used to live on um yarrow street in uh, invercargill um yes, but I know, I- 
I love Southland's um, Oriti Beach. Now, if you're heading down State Highway 1 from, say, Dunedin, you go through Vicargo and then a quick left and a quick right, and you follow the road all the way out to the beach. And the road literally drives onto Oriti Beach. And it's <laughs> the beach that's that's um, made famous by, you know, Burton Runner Row and testing his, uh, his Indian up and down there. Um, Nigel, I wonder if you can answer a question for me. There used to be an urban legend when I was in Invercargill that if you got onto Oriti Beach... And you hooked a right and went as far down the beach as you possibly could. There was quicksand. Is that true? Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll hook a left, um, Ray. So like, um, ironically, as I sit, I am between Invercargill Town and Oriti Beach. We've got 500 hectares out here between those two um, sites, uh, and I ride Oriti Beach quite often. Um, there's two entrances to Oriti. There's the south entrance and the north entrance. The north entrance is a little bit trickier to get into and you can only access by four-wheel drive or a dirt bike. Um, but the main entrance, as you were saying, you drive out onto Oriti Beach and you hook a left and it heads down to Daffodil Bay and Whalers Bay. And wow, if you're not paying attention, yeah, you can lose your bike. Wow, that's intense. Mm. Okay, well. Mm. It's great fun, I'll it's I'll take fun. that um I'll take that advice and and maybe I'll give you a yell next time I'm heading down there so I don't lose the T7 in a in a bog hole or something. Yeah, yeah, do that, Ray. We'll go ride. Nigel, thank you very much for um being part of the show and sharing your story and and do keep in touch when you've got events. We'd love to help uh, promote those across Otago and Southland and across to the wider motorcycling audience across the uh, country. But thank you very much for putting your hand up and being part of uh real Kiwi Riders series here on Kiwi Rider Podcast. You're welcome, Ray. Hello and welcome to the cockpit of the Harley-Davidson Speedsteress. I've just picked this up from my favourite place in Hamilton, uh, the local Harley dealer there, Road and Sport Harley-Davidson. And wow, is uh, all I can say. Uh, This thing is quite different to uh, what my brain was telling me a Harley-Davidson. So, um, well, let's check things off. The engine It is uh, Harley's 1250cc Revolution Max T engine. Um, so it's slightly different from uh, the engine in the Pan America. It makes its power, I believe, about 700 RPM earlier in the rev range. It's quick, this thing. Um, proper quick. Definitely the sportiest sports stroke I've ever ridden. Um, let's talk about styling for a second. Um, big, chunky, um, 48 sports-inspired uh, wheels. Um, the tail section is inspired by Harley-Davidson's track, uh, flat track bikes. Um, and yeah it's got a nice cool upswept almost like a scrambler-esque exhaust it's quite a cool bike looks great in the pearl white that i picked it up in i was really dreading getting another black bike from the harley press um, stable but they've sent me a gorgeous white example and um, it just looks stunning Wider ergonomics are quite comfy despite the very short travel suspension. You've only got a couple of inches in the back and not much more in the front. Uh, you sort of definitely have your feet forward of you. Uh, they're not centrally set, they're sort of almost like all the mid forward mounted. Uh, for me, I'm what 176 ish centimeters tall um, and it fits me quite nicely, quite comfortably. Uh, the handlebars are a little bit of a reach forward. I am sort of brought forward a bit into a lean um, but that just makes it feel a bit sporty um, and it's not putting too much pressure on my wrists either. Uh, so I'm currently on State Highway 1 heading back to Cambridge. Um, 
And yeah, just looking down at the TFT display, it's a small round circular TFT. Um, it has all the same sort of technology behind it as the Pan America does. Right, 100k zone. Let's open her up. Oh, these mics! That is a bit quick. That is legitimately quick. Um, Road Sport tested it at Mary Mary, uh, 11.3 for the quarter mile, I believe is what it did. So it is definitely no slouch. Uh, you got cruise control, which I am stoked for. Uh, it's just one of those nice hat things. It's also got heated grips, adjustable levers, um, so your brake and your clutch are both uh, rich adjustable. Uh, you got traction control, ABS, you turn the traction control off, you know, um, Yeah, it is quite a cool bike. I do like how they've got the mirrors uh, mounted behind and the sort of, well, what am I trying to say here? The bar end mounted mirrors. So you don't have to proper look at your elbows, you're not sort of doing too much. You just have a nice, pretty unobstructed view behind you. I've got a little red car chasing up my arms. So styling wise, things that I think are hits, the colour, I love the white, um, despite how they sort of make the bike handle, I do like the chunky wheels and tyres, um, I'm not 100% sure how I feel about the headlight, so Sports have traditionally had a circular headlight, and this is, the headlight on the Sports Rest is almost a miniaturised version of the LED unit on the fat box. And don't get me wrong, I love the fat bob and I love its long rectangular LED. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of a circular unit would be nice, sort of it would just submit more of that traditional sports to rest vibe going on. Uh, you got all sorts of busy controls here. Um, it's exactly the same switch gear as the Pan America, they tell me. And um, so if you've got big chunky gloves on, you might find it a bit of a mission. That's what I found with the Pan America. Um, so you can control your audio and your headset, um, go into maps, check out all sorts of other things. So, yeah, it's a thoroughly modern bike, let's put it that way. Harley's definitely turned a corner on what they're offering their riders in terms of uh, rider technology, design and engineering. Uh, the Revmax motor has a uh, variable valve timing system built in, so uh, low RPMs, you've got a lot of nice amount of torque, uh, but you rip it out and it just screams. Not sure if the T has the same peak power as the Pan America's uh, Max, but Pan America makes around 150 horsepower, um, and yeah, more than enough power. Um, easily way more power than any sports has had before, at least straight out of the factory gate. So I've got this bike for the coming week. Um, I was meant to have it for a full two weeks, but um, yeah, needs must. I'm going to have to take it back early, unfortunately. So I'm going to thoroughly enjoy the time I've got with it. Hopefully get a decent amount of seat time in. And um, I'll be able to tell you what it's like in a variety of conditions. So, we'll, um, we'll find something nice to pull over. Maybe take a photo for the Instagram. And um, yeah, we'll just talk about the sports and sort of why this bike is important for Harley. So I think it's actually coming at a really critical time for Harley Davidson. 
So, we'll, uh, we'll catch up some of uh, vaguely pit trees. Rightio, so found my picturesque-ish place. Well, I think it's kind of proper underneath a bridge with a uh, very nasty Harley Davidson. Um, not nasty in a bad way, though. This thing's a hoot. Um, so, styling. Let's talk about that. I think it's it's almost comic book, the way that the Harley have done this. Uh, big chunky front wheel, big chunky rear wheel. Definitely eye-catching. Um, I love the sporty sort of belly pan they've got going on there. And I love the colours they've used. So the Revolution Max has all of this sort of bronze metallic finish to it. The white colour scheme looks great. And surprisingly, it's not too uncomfortable, even though you literally have, what, one, two hands widths of seat to sit on. Now, I know this is going to be controversial, but I quite like the taillight positioning. I don't think it'll look great with one of those daft side-mounted uh, jobos. I quite like how they've done this. Twin outlet exhausts look great, and I love the rushed, rushed finish to them. Uh, here's a note for new players. Don't touch a hot exhaust. It's hot. So like I was saying earlier, I'm not 100% sold on the headlight. I feel like a circular headlight would have possibly made more of a link to the sportsters of old. So before I was saying, this is a really important bike for Harley-Davidson. And, well, it is. So the Sportster line has been in continuous production since the 50s. Um, it's Harley-Davidson's longest continuously running nameplate. So they had to get this right. Yes, they've done this to sort of attract the eyeballs and everything with the styling. But because of the way they've designed it, it's quite modular. So the engine is a stress member. So here is the front frame. It'll bounce mounts into the engine here. All right, I'm going to have to be really quick because I think my battery's about to die. So Harley has done a really clever way, clever job here. They can build on this platform. It's going to grow into different things. And I think we're going to see those things very soon. So is, is this the perfect sportster? No, not really. Uh, but it is here to sort of uh, announce the new generation of sportsters to the world. And I think this is a great way of doing it. So... This is the first impression. Let's get this thing out of here and um, we'll think more closely about what we think of this bike, do a bit more road case, and we'll do a full review. So catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. And that about wraps up our episode this week. Thank you very much for listening. If you haven't already, do hit that subscribe button. Share this podcast with a writing buddy of yours. It really does help us. Uh, and you can always join in the conversation on social media as well. We're on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all of those places. Uh, you can email me, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. Or you can check out Matt's website on throttle.co.nz or mine, majonz.com. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. I've been Ray here, and thank you very much for joining me. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we'll catch you in seven days' time. This episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast was brought to you by Shiny Side Up. Join the Shiny Side Up team for a very special live stream event on the 10th of April for a chance to win your share of over $8,000 worth of prizes. We'll be joined by some awesome local and international motorcycling experts, such as Chaotic Blonde, Sam McCafferty, Andrew Stroud, Kevin Williams, 
Dr. Chris Hurran, Jay Reeve, and Charlie Borman. Shiny Side Up Online, April 10th, 2022. Proudly brought to you by Ride Forever, ACC, Waka Kotahi New Zealand Transport Agency, and MSAC. For more information, check out the Shiny Side Up Facebook page or shinysideup.co.nz. And thanks for supporting Kiwi Rider Podcast.